Pro Cycling is a massive, mobile, ever-changing community. If you've ever been to a big race anywhere in the world, you'll have seen how many people are involved. Not just the riders and the mechanics and the soigneurs and the team directors and drivers, but the sponsors and the VIPs, the officials and the organisers, the logistics companies and caterers and hospitality staff, and of course the media. TV, radio, print and podcast, and probably most visible of all, the photographers on the finish line, at the side of the road or on the motos. As proper racing finally gets underway again, we talk to one of the best. This is Ruler Conversations, brought to you by LACA, bicycle insurance powered by the community. The Tour de France is one of the world's most photogenic sporting events. It doesn't really feel like summer's started until you've seen at least one shot of the peloton rolling past a field of sunflowers. Away from the familiar images, there are some others which really stand out. You may remember the 2017 Tour, which started in Dusseldorf. On a rainy Stage 2 to Liège, a rider at the front of the pack lost his wheel and started a domino-effect crash which took down a lot of that year's favourites. The photo of Geraint Thomas, Chris Froome and Romain Bardet sliding on their backsides around a wet Belgian roundabout rapidly went viral. The man behind the camera was Chris Ald, and when racing resumed this week, he was out there again. I'm currently in uh, Italy near um, Lake Maggio. Maggio. Lake Maggiore. Yes, that's the one. Last weekend, I know you took pictures at Strada Bianchi. Uh, yesterday, you were out in the Grande Tritico Lombardo, and then what is it, Milan Torino? It's, it's a bit of a busy week for you. I'm travelling with another photographer at the minute, and we're, we drove down from the UK. We're trying to you know, make the most of the time. So we've booked a lot of racing in. So it started with Strade, then we went to Tritico, and then we do Milan Torino, then we go over to Vontu to do the uh, Vontu one-day race. And then we come back to Italy to do Milan San Remo, and then back to France to do the Dauphiné. So, yeah, it's pretty packed. Uh, Strada Bianca, just uh, watching it on TV, looked like an amazing race. Uh, were you on a moto for it or were you just... Um... We were just in the car, so we did the rollout and then we, we got, I think, four stops in in the car and then the finish. So um, it, it was, yeah, it was a good day. What's it like uh, photographing something like Strada Bianca? Because, I mean, it, it's almost a sort of photographer's dream, really, isn't it? All the, yeah. the landscape and the drama. Yeah, you can't take a bad picture there. It's so, Tuscany's so beautiful. If it's wet, it looks fantastic. If it's dry, it looks fantastic. It's obviously that finish, the uh, final climb is absolutely stunning. It's, it's, it is my probably the my favorite final kilometer of any bike race. It is absolutely beautiful. Uh, I don't even shoot the finish line. I always shoot the climb because it's it's so beautiful. I've seen some of your photos from the race, and they are absolutely brilliant. There's one of Julian Alaphilippe looking over his shoulder, and he looks like he's grinning back at you. What's the story behind that one? So after the race, all of the riders have to ride back through the, the streets of Siena to the buses. We were just sort of milling around in the back streets, hoping to catch a few. And um, Alaphilippe came along. He just happened to turn around and, and I shot it. It was good. Yeah, he's he's always very amenable and um, he's, a, he's a super nice guy. So uh, 
such a talent and a nice guy. He's uh, he's really good. Uh, Grande Tritico Lombardo. That's a new race, isn't it? Made up of sort of three smaller yeah. races. Um, I tried to watch it on the TV, but the pictures weren't getting back. I think because of the weather, which looked absolutely horrible. Were you out in that? Yeah, it was horrific. It was the first sort of. 100k of that race is basically a tour of Italian industrial estates. It is not the prettiest race in the world, so you didn't miss anything. So we hadn't stopped at all until um, a climb called the uh, Piccolo Stelvio. The thunderstorm started, and it was the 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 rain was of biblical proportions, and um, you know, even the cars and the motorbikes were struggling to get up the hill with the, the torrent of water coming back down. And when we were walking back to the car, once the peloton had passed, it it was like walking up a river. It was ankle deep and, and not ideal photography conditions. Did you manage to get some good pictures? Because actually you, the, the sort of last bit of the race is actually quite photogenic, isn't it? The last bit, yeah. The, the As I said, the first 100k is is through in, industrial areas which are not don't make for great pictures but the the final sort of the do i think five loops of uh, the town which is is photogenic and um obviously this this little stelvio type climb which is beautiful as well in conditions like that your first thoughts are you've got to keep your kit dry and and, and obviously when we're on the road if you lose a camera due to water, you damage your equipment, it's it's game over. You know, you're getting new cameras and replacement cameras and cameras repaired in the middle of Italy is, is not easy. So you tend to shoot very carefully because preservation of your equipment is is paramount. What difference has it made having sort of smaller crowds and all the other uh, issues as well? Has that has that changed the job or has it changed the atmosphere of the racing? It's made the job easier because obviously we're like say the final claim uh, the Santa Caterina as it called it Stradi was empty. There's I took a shot with not a single person on it which is I've never seen it like that. That is normally absolutely packed. And it's like a a sort of cauldron or amphitheatre of noise when the riders are coming up and it's absolutely amazing atmosphere. And but you can't you normally we shoot inside the barriers on on when the crowd is there, but there was no crowd there, so there was no need to be inside the barriers and obviously it made I could get angles I couldn't normally get because normally you have to stay in one place and, and that's it whereas there was no crowd there so we're free to move around a little bit but obviously the, the atmosphere was pretty dead to be honest Siena is is pretty easy to sort of lock down for want of a better phrase because it's sort of a walled city so they could easily block off these sort of key areas keep the crowd away obviously out on the road it was no different but over a couple of hundred kilometres there's there's not that many fans roadside anyway and social distancing is pretty easy out on the road, but the sort of hot, sort of pinch point or hotspot would have been uh, the centre of Siena. But the but RCS seemed to have a, a handle on keeping the crowds away or keeping the crowds back from the actual race route. 
more COVID secure, but less atmosphere for the race. Because obviously that part of Italy was right at the centre of the pandemic for Europe, yeah. wasn't it? So um, what what is generally, what have you found the atmosphere to be like there? It's very good. It just seems everyone's wearing face masks and, and it seems to be business as usual at the minute. Bars are open, restaurants are open, there's people out and about. As I say, business as usual, there's no, um, doesn't seem to be any um, sort of draconian rules and regulations where you haven't had any issues. I'm not sure what's going on back in the UK at the minute. It seems to be um, going back into some sort of lockdown, but in Italy. It changes every day, yeah. Yeah, in Italy, which this area, sort of Lombardia and all of that area was really hard hit, but it seems to be faring very well at the minute has uh, the pandemic made any other difference to to your job is it any more difficult to get closer access to the riders that sort of thing yeah it's incredibly difficult it's the paddock areas where the buses are on lockdown so you can't really get anything in there you know sign-ons are pretty heavily regulated as well and um after all the riders are in the buses again are off sort of fenced off and, and try and keep photographers out. But I suppose the, the most awkward thing for us would be the travel, but we're sort of pretty self-sufficient, as in we're travelling in, in the car so we don't have to fly, we've um, brought our own food so we don't have to eat out in restaurants and stuff, and we're, we're staying in, in our van so we don't have to stay in hotels. And how long are you going to be out there for? We're here for three weeks and then we come back to the UK for a week and then we come back out to the Tour de France and then we're on the road pretty much until um, November, until after the Vuelta. Glad to be back taking pictures of bikes though. <laughs> Always, yeah. It's uh, it's good to be back and it's going to be interesting to see how the the market has changed for buying pictures as well because a lot of the a lot of the magazines are on sort of retainer deals with the the big agencies so the the little one man band freelancers like me I find it more difficult to sell into magazines because the the their budgets have been sort of tightened so that they're using uh, retained agency pictures more than freelancers at the minute so hopefully once the race and keeps going and um, sort of publishers will release the purse strings a bit more and then picture editors can spend a bit more on freelancers yeah times are tight for the media all around aren't they there's nothing better than seeing your pictures in print media but magazine sale physical magazine sales are sort of on a downward spiral but nothing beats seeing your work actually in a, a proper magazine as opposed to a, a picture or a story online or social media or whatever. So what are you really looking forward to um, in the next couple of months of, of racing in terms of the races? Um, just seeing how the um, the sort of form pans out, really, it's going to be really interesting with, you know, who's, who's come out of this sort of lockdown phase bigger and better, you know, uh, Strade Bianchi there was a couple of surprises obviously our sort of um, opinion was it was going to be either a cyclocross specialist or a classic specialist that was going to win because the, the surface was so different to um, when it's normally held in March 
So, and, and it was a lot more technical. That, that wasn't really a surprise, but there was some really sort of interesting performances. I think Brent Bookwalt there, he, ha- he was seventh, I think seventh overall, which was a fantastic performance from him. Okay, Chris, thanks so much for uh, joining us and uh, enjoy uh, the next few weeks in the van and uh, look forward to seeing more of your pictures. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for uh, spending the time to talk. Chris Old, back on the road again with the Pro Peloton. And as Chris said, the best place to see really good bike race photography is in a proper high-quality magazine. And if you want to continue to have that opportunity, please support Ruler magazine by taking out a subscription. Go to ruler.cc. You can subscribe, buy individual issues, and also check out a range of the world's best cycling brands in the Ruler Emporium. This is Ruler Conversations, brought to you by Lacquer bicycle insurance powered by the community. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in Lacquer. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people onto wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis and I believe that Two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have. And I think Lacquer's business model and the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. And you can find out more about Lacquer's unique approach on their website, laka.co. So the last time we spoke to Ruler's Desire Editor, Stuart Clapp, he was halfway through a very well-hydrated ride with uh, Sir Bradley Wiggins, Steve Cummings, Adam Blythe, Matt Stevens, all kinds of people, um, from Essex to Whitstable. Um, uh, Stu, how did that end up uh, going? Well, <laughs> I was just going to say, how did you think that went? Um, when I spoke to you, I think we are only about 30k into the ride and we just made the crossing from Tilbury to Gravesend. And as luck would have it, the guy that owns Thames Clippers, cheers guys, uh, happened to be on a boat, brand spanking new boat, waiting to pick up a charter. And he took us across. Um, to, and then because we thought, oh, we saved loads of time, because otherwise we'd have had to have gone to Dartford, right? And that would have been another like 20 miles on, on the journey plus, and all the waiting around. We decided to have a couple of beers, didn't we? And then, and that's, that's where it sort of descended from from there on, and it took us well. Well, we didn't get to, to Whitstable until about ten in the evening, so it was quite good because like Garmin's quite an interesting thing. We did the ride in about three, three hours, three and a half hours. That was the moving time. Our elapsed time was eleven hours. So um, yeah, we were well hydrated, but we did have quite a few punctures. So it wasn't all all time spent in the pub. And what was it like riding with a bunch of uh, very high level, some recently retired pros? Oh, well, it's funny you say that, because when you hear Adam or whatever on his social media or people like that, Adam's like, oh, I've barely been riding. I'll get out and have a couple of beers and all that. They're still, they, I mean, they were, they were like, obviously, Steve Cummings and Adam were World Tour pros last season, right? 
and they've been pros like their whole life virtually same with, with brad as well then they they never really they're not they're never really terrible are they it's, it's like that i mean they've they've got a lot of fitness to lose before they get to my level yeah they're fast and i think it, it went hard a couple of times on the way there to catch up like like grounds that we'd lost to stop for punctures and whatever i don't know if anyone saw any of the the sort of the stories that Matt and Brad and Adam and Steve were putting up online. I think chapter three were as well of, of, of the amount of puncture problems we had, because the thing, the cool thing about commute is we, we put, we put the route in commute and it's fantastic because like, it's not on, like there are only sections of it that are on road. So a lot of it was on gravel tracks and there was a bit of bridleway and a lot of it, you barely saw another car. It was terrific. But the trouble is, when you put it in, into commute, it pick, picks up the you know the best route that that we had, and we were going across you know fields and on road bikes. And apart from me, I did it on a gravel bike because I uh, I had a feeling that that's what the route might be like, and I wouldn't want to be the guy that's holding up Bradley Wiggins with a puncture on the side of the road. But yeah, it was it was, it was great fun. And then we came back the following day. You know, we got got there really late and stuff. Steve Cummings just didn't look like he he'd suffered at all and looked like if if he had, if there was a race tomorrow he was in he was in pretty decent nick yeah it was good and ben wiggins who's brad's son he came with us uh who's 15 and he's he's not built like a 15 he doesn't look like a 15 year old he's got muscles and uh yeah but i i did say to him you know he's probably gonna do all right i mean there's probably some good genes going on there really isn't there and brad did seem to be enjoying himself from what i saw <laughs> yeah do you know what it was it's I've, I've known i've known brad bradley for a few years and stuff but and but it's only up until recently we've really sort of got to know each other more because i don't know it's it, it just happens i think we've been out drinking a few more times but on this ride it was just bizarre because he did you see his tweet like my best ride ever and the, the the evening we got back which was like, i haven't laughed so much in all this stuff and i thought best ride ever and then i looked at the date and it was the 22nd of july i thought that that date rings a bell and then realized it was eight years to the day that he won the tour de france i was going to say riding to whitstable back with your mates or winning the tour de france close isn't it well do you know what yeah it was i I can understand that but it was it was just it was just fantastic it was like i sort of touched upon this before i think where where you, you they these pro cyclists come full circle where you don't start off riding a bike and go, uh, your first bike ride isn't a bike race, is it? Your first bike ride, and the reason why you love riding the bike is because, you know, your street gets bigger. You know, you can you go to ride to the park and then the park's a little bit further away, but then you can ride to the woods, you know. And that's the whole essence, very essence of riding a bike is the fact that you're the freedom in it. And I don't think we never really lose that. And I think when it becomes your job, they look at it differently to what we do. It, it is a job. I mean, it's a very weird job, but it's their job. And there's no pressure in riding to Whitstable with your mates. And it was just like you would do if you were a kid on the first ride you ever did. Imagine being able, when you're 16, 17 years old, going, hey, let's go to Whitstable and camp. Um, although we didn't camp. We stayed in the hotel because... Adam's not not a uh, camping guy, and neither was Matt. He needed to straighten his hair. So aside from that, have you uh, been doing some work and doing some photo shoots for uh, the next edition of Rouleur? Oh, yes. 
work. Yeah, I've, I've almost forgotten what that feels. Yeah, I have been doing some work. We just did. I mean, the, this is how it works. Is like when we have an issue that comes out, it means I'm probably shooting for the next issue that comes out. So you've just had the one that was shot. Most like ninety percent of it was in my sister's back garden. We've had this conversation before about having not needing a location. You just have to look. But when Benedict turned up, he was like, "Look at that greenhouse. Look at this. Look at this." So, but yeah, the next one, obviously, we're still in that weird phase of lockdown where we're not really out of it. I'm not even sure if we're going to go back into it. So we have to kind of keep it sort of almost local. So with a similar aspect to shooting it around in my sister's garden, it's the fact that I live near the Old Lee, which is a working fishing village. And I've been down there a million. In fact, I used to live there, right, when I first moved out of London. And it's beautiful. It's like the Victorians came in, whacked the, whacked the train line in, and the old town just sort of got, cut off it's like a land like the sucking victorian times and it's it's lovely down there like cobbled streets so we we did it there and because it's a working fishing village like no one really cares like you know we shot miles standing on a fishing boat at the top where it sort of reminds me of you, you know lieutenant dan when he gets on top of the the boat in forest gump shot like that but yeah these like stuff like that so we we did that with with miles and lucy and a couple of bikes we've got a heroine in there and the ribble e-bike which i think i don't want to make a big thing out of but i sort of do want to make a big thing out of it was that the one we saw at the ruler classic which was kind of originally for sean yates yeah that was it yeah the it was like a like a glittery purple it's a really nice looking bike but We've we talked about this before, and I've talked about it to mate, with mates and stuff like that. And I know that some people are going to go. Yeah, there's always going to be some person who says it's cheating, isn't there? I get it, I get it, but like none of us, none of us are getting any any younger. And I've I've got a mate that hasn't had the best health recently, and I rarely get to ride with him. We sort of we ride if we're doing off road ride, we invite him, but he hardly ever comes out on a road ride with us anymore, and it's a bit of a shame. Because he's really good company, has the sickest sense of humour. He's hilarious, but we hardly we hardly see him. But I thought this is the purpose of a of an e bike like that. He can join us now. You know, he, he's not going to go out after smashing after King of the Mountains or whatever and trying to dethrone people. But for, to have him along because of like you know an e bike is that's what cycling's about, isn't it? Then you, again, I've gone all the way back around to the ride with the friends ride I did with Brad and everyone. It's about going out and enjoying it, isn't it, with your mates more than anything. And uh, I think an e-bike will sort of allow you to do that for a bit longer. Well, it's only a matter of time for all of us, Stuart. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, if you know, if, if I got to the point where I, I'd still want to go riding, like if I, you know, if I got older or anything happened to me, God forbid. But, you know, I, I, I'd really miss that. And, I, you know, cycling's a social thing for a lot of people. And, you know, I know that, a lot of, I've got friends from all different walks of life, but I know my close friends I have, you know, through cycling and to miss out on that, the banter and all the crap that gets talked about on a group ride at the weekend, that'd be, that'd be rubbish. And if something like that can, you know, sustain, sustain that social activity for a, a few more years, then I, I'm all for it. Thanks, Stuart. That's it from this Conversations podcast. There'll be a Ruler Long Reads podcast along next week. Stay safe.